Today, we will continue our study in the book of Zechariah. All right, Zechariah is one of the books in the Old Testament. We are on Zechariah chapter 12. All right, and uh, actually, uh, Zechariah 12, Zechariah 13, and Zechariah 14, only 14 chapters in the book of Zechariah. So 12, 13, 14 actually is one complete whole. The chapters are put in by men. So when the prophet Zechariah wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there are no chapters on So when now, this week, next week, and the following week, it should be seen as a complete whole. Chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. Why? Because it is the same subject matter. But what's the subject? The coming again of Jesus Christ. On that day. It's a day that will take place. It is not we fantasize over it or maybe it will take place. No. On that day. In fact, in the whole of the three chapters that we are doing this week and the following weeks, as we close the book of Zechariah, the phrase, on that day, is mentioned 18 times. Six times on chapter 12 alone. So, Pastor, what is so special about that day? And what is that day? Well, that day is the day of the Lord. So what is the day of the Lord? What is going to happen on that day that is so special? Three things will happen on that day that will take place in the future. Number one. As I mentioned to you, on that day, Jesus Christ will now come back as judge and as king. The first time he came, he came as a saviour to die on the cross. But now, he's gone back to heaven and is coming back, not as a saviour anymore, but as a judge and the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. So every time we do communion, what are we doing? We do it until He comes. We did Revelation, and we finished it from May to July this year, 13 weeks back to back. And the last verse of the book of Revelation and the last verse of the entire Bible is even so. Come, Lord Jesus. He's going to come back. Jesus himself says in John chapter 14, verse 1 and verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. I go 
and prepare a place for every one of you. Every one of you here and listening online, every one of you, God, Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. And where I am, I will come back so that where I am, there you will be also. It's like General MacArthur. In his passing shot before he left Philippines, he says, I will return. And General MacArthur returned. So will Jesus Christ. The second thing on that day, why must Jesus return? Because he must return to defeat the devil. On that day is the battle of Armageddon. On that day is the final battle of mankind. And Zechariah 12, 13 and 14 actually describes in great detail the final battle of mankind culminating in the return of Jesus Christ. And I told you, those of you who followed me in the book Revelation series studies, Revelation 16 verse 16, the battle of Armageddon, the final battle of human history that will close human history is mentioned in Revelation 16, 16. But guess what? 500 years before Jesus Christ was born, the prophet Zechariah described in great detail what happens at the battle of Armageddon. Battle of Armageddon. Jesus Christ will return to defeat the devil. But the third reason, the third thing that will happen on that day is what exactly the subject matter in particular of Zechariah 12, 13 and 14 is that on that day, all Israel will repent and Israel will be saved. But pastor, aren't they saved now? No. Not saved. In fact, now, they are blinded. Those of you who have been to Israel, and I've been there five times, will know that as you preach, many times you try and preach to the, to the, to the, to the guide, right? We try and evangelize the guide, the tour guide. Huh? And you know, this guy must be 1,000 times Malaysians come and try and evangelize him, right? Very hard. Why? Because their hearts are hardened. But on that day, their hearts will be softened. They will repent so that all Israel will be saved. So essentially, Zechariah 12, 13 and 14 refers to the third reason. But you say, Pastor, I'm not Israel, ma. I'm, I'm not a Jew. Ma. No, same God. And whatever happens to Israel on that day has tremendous implication for you and I as New Testament believers. So hear me, hear me well. So if you look at Zechariah chapter 12 with me, if your Bible turned to it, if not, most of the verses I put on the screen. Huh? But if your Bible is better, you have, then you follow me better. You notice that 
the first word, even before the first verse of Zechariah, if you have your NIV version, is the word, an oracle. An oracle. But you say, Pastor, why you make so much fuss about it more? After all, you look at all your Bibles, there are subheadings on, right? And all these are man-made one. Not this one. This one, the heading is actually in the original Hebrew text. Very rare one, no? In fact, I can't even think of another chapter in the Bible that begins with a heading by God, you know. In other words, God is giving us a heading, not subtitles by man, subheading by man, one, huh? But why, huh? Why does God want to do that? So, what is an oracle? An oracle is a person or an agency that speaks on behalf of God regarding the future. So, when the Hebrew text writes there, an oracle written by the Holy Spirit, it is to tell you now, friends, now, S-I-B-K-L, now, those of you who are watching me online, listen, because this is the word of God, an oracle. But just in case, uh, uh, we still still, still can't this only, uh, we still take it very lightly. uh. Let me read the first verse to you, just to highlight the urgency as well as the depth and the intensity of what we will be studying this morning and the subsequent weeks. So chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2 says this. This is the oracle or the word of the Lord concerning Israel. So whatever we study now refers specifically to Israel but has implications to all of us. I'll tell you why in a short while. The Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundation of the earth, who forms the spirit of man with him, declares. Even before the content of the oracle is said by God, God says, you know who is speaking to you or not? God presents his credentials. This is the God which God will. Two things we hear about God now. This is the God who stretches the heavens and lays the foundation of the earth. I am speaking to you. And just in case you think, Pastor, so what? Heaven is heaven, earth is earth. Lah. No. God also says, I am the one who formed your spirit. I am the mega God who created the universe. And I'm the same God who gave life to you. I'm speaking to you. 
There are four forms of human spirit. Then our fish, the physical breath that we have. That is also the breath. But the other form of human spirit is our spirit inside of us because all of us are tripartite beings. We are composed of the mind. We are com- sorry, we are composed of the body, the soul, and the spirit. We are not only flesh and blood. No, no. We think, we feel. But we also have the spirit. So when we die, the nafish stops. The physical breath stops. But your spirit lives on. The key is, lives on well. But God is the one that forms your spirit. And He's speaking. So what is He speaking about? About Israel. On that day, three things will happen. Israel on that day. Number one. This passage tells us about the siege of Jerusalem. This passage then goes on to tell us about the shielding of Israel. And it ends from chapter 10 to chapter 14, uh, verse 10 to verse 14 in this chapter on the salvation of the Jews. Let's begin with the siege of Israel. So Zechariah chapter 12, verse 2 to verse 3, goes on to say this. After presenting his credentials, in other words, hey, listen properly, uh, because God is speaking, uh, not Pastor Chu, uh, I'm just interpreting scripture to you in the best way I know how. So God says, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah, which is another name for Israel, will be besieged, the siege of Jerusalem, as well as Jerusalem. On that day, when Jesus returns, all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, i.e. Jerusalem. And I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations and all who try to move it will endure themselves. So it tells me that on that day, there's going to be a siege of Jerusalem. But what happens, Pastor? What what happens on that day? Siege means being surrounded. So what? No. I told you, Zechariah 12, 13, 14 is one complete whole, right? So Zechariah chapter 14, verse 1 to verse 2, tells us the terrible things that's going to happen during the siege of Jerusalem. What would happen? By the enemies of Israel. So Zechariah 14, verse 1 says, A day of the Lord is coming 
when your plunder will be divided among you. I will gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. The city will be captured. So telling you what's going to happen at the day, right? The houses ransacked and the women raped. What? Half of the city of Jerusalem will go into exile and the rest of the people will not be taken from the city. In fact, Zechariah chapter 13 verse 8 tells us actually two-thirds in Zechariah 13 verse 8 of the inhabitants of Jerusalem will perish. What a day! And not only that, if I were to read further from Zechariah 14, who will describe in detail what will happen on that day 500 years before Jesus Christ comes, you know. It tells me that there will be a nuclear war. The battle of Armageddon will be nuclear. How do I know? Zechariah 14, verse 12. This is the plague with which the Lord will strike all the nations that fought against Israel. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet. Zechariah 14, verse 12. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouth. Nuclear. In other words, 500 years before Jesus Christ returns, uh, comes first time, the prophet Zechariah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us that the battle of Armageddon, the final battle of mankind, will be nuclear when Israel will exercise what we know as the Samson option. During the Yom Kippur War, Prime Minister Golda Meir almost exercised the Samson option when Israel would press the nuclear button as a last resort. You die, I die. Everybody dies. So in the midst of all of this, the question we ask ourselves, God, have you, have you forsaken Israel? Why you allowed the Jews to suffer so much? Why? Why? Has, have you forsaken Israel? The answer is no. Why? Because in the final battle of mankind, in the battle of Armageddon, when the forces of darkness and the forces of good come into a final battle in the Jezreel Valley in Har Magedo, the hill of Magedo, Har Magedon. It's still there. God will shield Israel. How? I'm going to read now verse 3 to verse 9. I didn't put it up on the screen because... I put all the verses in point form uh, so that you know 
that God will do eight things so that Israel is shielded. So on that day, when all the nations of the earth, verse 3 of Zechariah 12, are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. And all who try to move it will injure themselves. On that day, verse 4, I will strike every horse with panic and his rider with madness, declares the Lord. Now, I've, my own interpretation of rider and horses is the modern-day tanks. Because when Zechariah sees the vision, he doesn't see tanks, he sees horses, because that's what he sees. Ma. So I believe that it talks about tanks. Can you imagine? Every tank driver goes mad. Ma. I will keep a watchful eye over the house of Judah, and I will blind all the horses of the nations. Then the leaders of Judah will say in their hearts, the people of Jerusalem are strong because the Lord God Almighty is their God. And on that day, I will make the leaders of Judah like a fire pot in a wood pile. I will say, burn, right? They'll burn with, with passion and, and whatever, and they will consume left, right, center, left and right, you see, left, right. They will consume left and right all the surrounding peoples, but Jerusalem will remain intact in a place. And the Lord will save the dwellings of Judah first, so that the honour of the house of David and of Jerusalem's inhabitants may not be greater than that of Judah. On that day, the Lord will shield those. That's why I got my title wrong, the shielding of Israel. Huh? On that day, the Lord will shield those who live in Jerusalem so that the feeblest among them will be like David and the house of David will be like God, like the angel of the Lord going before them. And on that day, I will set out to destroy all the nations to a that attacked Jerusalem, so eight things. So I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. And those that come against her will injure themselves. What does it mean? Huh? It means this. If you are angrier, really angrier, you're going to kick against a durian. Huh? Who do you think will be hurt? You think the durian will scream, ah, don't kick me. No you will suffer, right? That's exactly what, what Jesus said to Saul on the Damascus road. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why do you kick against a prick? In other words, you kick against a prick, huh? a thorn, huh? you die, you suffer, right? So God says, I will shield Jerusalem and like an immovable rock. And anyone that Attacks that wrong will injure themselves. I will be, keep a watchful eye over the house of Judah. I will strike every horse with panic and every rider with madness. I will make the leaders of Judah like a fire pot, you know, in a wood pile. They will consume all the people left, right, uh, right, and they will save the dwellings of Judah and Jerusalem will remain intact. I will shield Jerusalem and eighthly, I will destroy all the nations that attack Jerusalem. You know, I still haven't answered the question. Does it bother you? It bothered me. Why? Huh? Why? Huh? Why must the Jews suffer so much? Why? Huh? Why God? 
two-thirds of the city perish and, and so on and so forth, all the ugly things are described there. Why? 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 The answer is this. The end point of all of this is spiritual. It's to bring Israel back to God. The end point, all of this that happens so that Israel can repent, so that the blinkers and the blind blinds on their eyes will now be lifted and they cry out to God for help. And God will help them. Why must people... Uh, have to go through this kind of trial and tribulation before they turn back to God. Like Israel. I don't know. But the end point, to bring you back. You know, your soul and your salvation of your eternal spirit. I told you that two kinds of spirit, right? The spirit, not fish. That will end. For every one of us here, that will end. But if it is to save your soul and your eternal spirit, that is more important to God. And God will make sure all of this happen so that like Israel, wow, we come back to Him. Zechariah 12, verse 8 and verse 9 it's very interesting. So I read through this chapter several times, right, to prepare this message. Incidentally, uh, it's all revelation to me. Uh, I don't get it from books or anything like that one. Uh. So I read, and suddenly, Revelations, uh, sorry, Zechariah 12, verse 8 and 9 pops out to me, you know. So I look at it again and again. Why so interesting? Uh? Because it says, On that day, the Lord will shield those who live in Jerusalem. That's what I said, the shielding of Israel. So that the feeblest among them will be like David, and the house of David will be like God, like the angel of the Lord going before them. What struck me was this. On that day, even the feeblest among the Jews will be like David, you know. So, so, so what's so significant about that? You know what happened to David? What was, the, what was the, the event that defined David? He killed Goliath, right? So, the spirit of David on that day will now fall upon the house of David so that every Jew will not only sing like David, clap like David, Dance like David. They will fight like David. Because the spirit of David 
will now fall upon them, even among the feeblest, and they will fight like David. Come on, let's give God a clap. Make sure we do that. Come on, come on. It's awesome. And on that day, God says, I will set out to destroy all the nations that attack Jerusalem. In other words, God will fight for Israel. Why? And this is the third reason. I'm going to spend another 10 minutes or so. Please bear up with me. So when we come physically, I think we can go a bit longer. All right? Okay. So excuse me, because can can another 10 minutes or so or not? <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to spend the rest of my time. The culmination of what happens on that day, and this has tremendous implication for you and for me, is the salvation of the Jews. So how will they be saved? Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10 to verse 14 tells us. So on that day, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. I will explain to you what it means. They will look on me, God says. The, not God, is Jesus who's saying, because I am the one they have pierced, ma, and they will mourn for him as one moans for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. On the day, the weeping in Jerusalem will be so great like the weeping of Hadad Rimon in the plain of Megiddo. Ah, the land will moan, each clan by itself with their wives by themselves, the clan of the house of David and their wives, the clan of the house of Nathan and their wives, the, clans, the clan of the house of Levi and their wives, the clan of Shimei and their wives, and all the rest of the clans and their wives. So what happens is this. At the moment, at the moment when Israel is on the brink of annihilation, surrounded by all the armies of the enemies, they, they have entered into Jerusalem, two-thirds of the, Israel, the, the Jerusalem have perished, etc., etc. I don't want to mention all that, all that detail. They will cry to God. They, they were confused, they were bewildered, they don't know what to say, they don't know how to pray. How, how do you pray? But in their desperation, as they cry to God, what will happen? In their desperation to God, God hears their prayers. God will appear. And as Jesus Christ returns again and sets his foot on the Mount of Olives, all described in very great detail in Zechariah chapter 14, that's why you must come, Next week and the following week, remember it's all complete whole, right? As Jesus Christ sets foot on the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olives will split into two, north to south, and with an earthquake. So I don't want to steal the thunder of whoever's speaking, right? Ha, so exciting. Better than Netflix. They will see the Messiah. But as they look at this guy, this, this, this person who is coming down to save them, they see the nail prints. 
And to their horror, they suddenly realized that this was the Messiah that they have crucified in the year AD 33. I don't know how they recognized Jesus. And they suddenly realized that they have killed the Messiah. They will moan. They will, re- they will weep like a firstborn, a loss of a firstborn child. And it is indeed the firstborn child lost, man. There will be great and great repentance, and the depth of that repentance will cr- go up to heaven. Wow. Let, let, let me make an application here. I don't know what you're going through, my friend, right now. I really don't know. Many of you are going through a lot of financial losses. Many of you are going through bereavement even from COVID. Many of you are going through a lot of family issues about your children, maybe. I don't know. Many of you are very uncertain about your career path. Many of you are having maybe family feuds, may even be sicknesses in your family suddenly. I don't know, but all of these are very serious issues. Can I encourage you? On the strength of the Word of God, come back to God. Cry to Him. And I don't know why that we have to come to this stage only we cry to Him. Never too late. Because it's the same God, you see. When you and I come before God in deep, authentic repentance and the seeking of His face, not because we are caught, not because we are, we are in this situation and then after that, bye-bye. No. No. God wants to know what is really in your heart and my heart. Because I want to believe that when you and I cry to God in our desperation, God will come and save you like He will come and save Israel. So can I encourage you? Let's ask God to forgive us. Let's ask God sincerely to search our hearts, remove all the pride, arrogance, indifference from our lives. And God will come to save. The Bible tells us that on that day, God will pour out two things. The spirit of grace and the spirit of supplication. This is very, very important. Hear me well. Hear me well. You see, I told you earlier, very often we don't know what to say, we don't know how to pray when we go through difficult times, what to say or what to pray for. But when we come to God in authentic, genuine, 
personal repentance. What happens is that when God sees the genuineness and the authenticity of our, and the depths of our cry to God, He will now give upon you, upon me, the spirit of grace. What is grace? Undeserved favour. Don't you want that? You think we deserve it? Huh? No. But because God sees your heart, that it is real, He will give you grace. Not that we deserve it. It's His mercy. And God will give upon you the spirit of supplication. What is spirit? It is desperate pleading. So what it reminds me in the New Testament is in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and verse 27. When it says that in the same way, the Spirit itself helps us in our weakness. Why? Because we don't know what to say. We don't know how to pray. Sometimes even I pray for you, I don't know what to say. How to pray? I don't know. All I know is I just pray. But when you come to God, we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes with groans that words cannot express. You don't even have to say it. When God pours out His Spirit of grace and supplication upon you, now you know what to say, you know what to pray. Because now, the Spirit now gives you the words to pray in accordance with His will. Not your will. Hiya. Not what you want, but what God wants for you. And it will be better. Hallelujah. Let me close. The moment that Israel cries out to God, the moment that you and I come before God and cry to Him, God comes and saves. But how, Pastor Howard? If you look at the verse, it is clan by clan, family by family, the clan of Nathan, the clan of this. In other words, when the Spirit of God comes upon us as a church in repentance and our nation, it is not a mass hysteria. It is not a solemn assembly. Well, we pray and then you pray and you try to catch on the anointing and not because Pastor pray Chukop lah. Pastor Lichu pray enough lah. No. You want God to answer your prayer? You pray. Why? Because it says here clan by clan, family by family, and not only that. Uh, Husband by husband, uh, wife by wife. Uh. Husband, you cannot pray for your wife. Uh. Wife, you cannot intercede for your husband. Uh. Definitely, pastor cannot intercede for you. That's what he says. The clan of Nathan 
and their wives, the clan of David and their wives, the clan of Shimei and their wives. And it's not by accident, right? Every rank and file is represented. The house of David, the king, the house of Nathan, the prophet, the house of Levi, the priest, the house of Shimei, the people, Shemites, Semitic people are the Israels, right? The house of Shimei, the nation, every family. And let me close with this. I want to believe that I close this important chapter. The same God of Zechariah, the same God of Israel is here today with us in this auditorium and with you in your home. Will you respond to Him or not? You tell me. You tell me. Because God is willing to save you. God is willing. No, I was thinking as I prepared this morning in myself, D-Day. You know, I'm a World War II buffer. The D-Day came to mind on the 6th of June, 1944. What is D-Day? The D-Day in which the Allied army landed on Normandy Beach and it began the restoration of, of 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 the conquered lands, correct or not? But they have to fight still, right? They have to fight. Today is D-Day. What does D-Day stand for? Deliverance Day. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. Today is Deliverance Day. But do you want it your way or do you want it God's way? You tell me. You tell me, my friend. You tell me. On the strength of the Word of God, you tell me. Because this is the Word of God, the oracle of God. The God who creates the heavens and the later foundations of the earth, the God who forms your human spirit, says this to you. If you cry to me, I will save you. But you must do it by yourself. By yourself. You cannot ride on the prayer of another person. So let's close our eyes, shall we do that, friend? Let's close our eyes. Oh, I feel the presence of God, the anointing of God, even here in the last yesterday and today. I really feel that this is the amazing that, that we could preach this message on the opening of our church physically. I don't know why. But I do know, and I do know that this is the Word of God for every one of us, even those of you who are listening from another church. I don't know what you're going through today, but I want to know and believe that if we are authentic and genuine before God, on the strength of the Word of God, as we prayed earlier before we started the service, the Word of God will not return void unto Him. But we have to obey, my friend. We have to obey. So I want to pray. I want to pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that the same God of Zechariah, the same God that will rescue Israel is here today. Even as you and I come before God in the midst of all our insurmountable problems, God is a God of the impossible. God is a God of the impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. Only believe, only believe. So do you believe, my friend? Do you believe? So I'm going to ask you in the in the remaining hours and the closing moments of this service, nobody looking around, both in the balcony as well as here, if you want to seek the face of God, you stand where you are. You stand. I want you to stand. Those of you at the home, you just raise your hands to God. But here, 
I just feel in my spirit you have to respond to Him in humility. And when you stand, I'm going to pray that the spirit of the day, the spirit of that day will come and God will hear your cries no matter what you're going through. You stand, you stand, you stand. Oh, Ramanda Katarada. Those of you in the balcony as well. Those of you at the home, you don't understand, you just raise your hands in a house. Raise your hands to God because God can see your hand. God can see your hand. It's not me, matter. It's not me, it's God. Believe me, it's God. I can't help you, my friend. I can't help you. But God can, you know, God can and He will. Father, in Jesus' name, I see all His hands raised before you today. In Jesus' name, I want to pray, Father God. Oh, hallelujah, that even as we come to you in repentance, nothing in our hands we bring only to your cross we cling Father we want to believe that God you are here with us in this auditorium as well in your living room whatever you have whatever issues that you have let the past be the past because God will give you a breakthrough God will give you a breakthrough there will be reconciliation again there will be peace again there will be joy again there will be love again there will be laughter again there will be restoration again there will be healing again there will be abundance again because God is with you my friend there will be salvation again in your household oh Father in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth I pray a blessing upon every one of the people here that is standing in your presence in the name of Jesus Father we come to you and ask you Father to forgive in our neglect of you in our indifference to you in our pride in our arrogance in our stubbornness in our heart heart Hatedness. Father, we approach you, the throne of grace, and I pray that the spirit of grace, the spirit of supplication will come upon us so that now we know what to say. Now we know what to pray. Father, we now say and pray things according to your will. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Father, we seal it. We believe in it because you're a good God and you're a great God. Thank you. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. Come on. Whoa. I sense that my spirit, Lord, is saying to you this day, it's going to be a new beginning for you. I sense that my spirit, Lord, is saying to you, the past is over. When you seek me, you will find me. But you must seek me with all your heart. And when you seek me, whatever issues that has been in the past, the Lord will begin to deal with it. Whatever it is, whatever it is. The Lord says, I will once again give you a hope and a future. Not to harm you. No. The Lord says, I'm a good God. And my goodness and my love endures forever. Hallelujah. Let's all stretch our hands to Him as we close. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I've delivered your message to the best I know how. But I know. I know God is not even the words of man. 
It is the words of the oracle of God. Because your promises and your words are yea and amen. And what you say, you will do it. So we come to you, Father Lord, in deep repentance. And today, on this day, we renew our pledge of loyalty and love to you, the only wise God. And we know that even as we do this this morning, as we begin to leave this place in a short while, there will be a clarity of mind there will be a clarity of purpose once again and we know what to say we know what to pray and we know what to do because this time every page of our lives will be written by the finger of God so Father we pray that you will bless every single person here today here as well as online because Lord in the coming days we will stand still and we will see the salvation of the Lord and so may the Lord bless you and keep you this day my friend may the Lord make his face to turn his face upon you and be gracious to you so that the spirit of grace and the spirit of supplication will rest upon you as you leave this place. So that the unsolicited favor and the mercy of God, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. And of course, people say aloud. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give a clap offering. Whoa, God is good. Amen.